Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. This week, I'm reading chapter 10 called Connection and Support, and it starts as usual with a quote. Moments of deep connection are fleeting. In that instant, you feel the vulnerability of being seen, understood and known. And I think that's interesting because quite often we think that we're either connected or we're disconnected. And the reality is that we're flipping in and out of the two all of the time. And this chapter starts, as usual, with uh, a story of a group of clients working with the horses. The group and I stood at the gate to the field and I introduced the horses who were grazing. I turned to Callie and she lifted her head and looked at us. I moved on to talk about Tiffin and Callie went back to her grazing. As I mentioned Tiffin's name, he also lifted his head and took a step forward towards us. I turned to look at Geo and before I even mentioned his name, he walked over to the gate to meet everyone. On this particular day, Mr Blue was in a stable waiting for the vet to come and perform minor surgery on his foot. I explained that he wouldn't be part of the day, but that he might at some point pop his head out of the stable to say hello. At that moment, as if by magic, his face appeared over the stable door. Meanwhile, Opus, my 29-year-old retired horse, was 50 metres away in a small paddock standing behind a five-foot bale of hay, eating. You could just about see him. The gate to the paddock was open, as Opus has the full run of the yard when I'm on site. It's his privilege as the old man of the herd. As I started to explain about Opus being retired, he looked up and stepped to one side of the hay bale so we could see him. One of the clients gasped. Does he really know you're talking about him? Have you trained them to do this? Yes, they know when we're talking about them, and no, I haven't trained them. In fact, it's the opposite. All of my horses are encouraged to be themselves, to be as close as, as possible to a natural horse, as you know, as close as is possible in a dom- domesticated environment. They're encouraged to have an opinion and to assert their right to make it clear. And it sounds incredible, but this is a pattern that plays out repeatedly when introducing clients to the horses. We continued our conversation and I explained that Opus has free run of the yard and would probably want to come and meet the group at some point throughout the day. At that moment, Opus walked out of the field and up the yard towards us. He stopped halfway and stood sentinel outside the gate to the arena. We were heading there next and he knew it. We walked down the yard to enter the arena and Opus blocked our path. He stood quietly, commanding respect and attention. As each client walked past him, they said hello to him. Some of them stroked his neck, others let him sniff their hand. They were completely in awe of what had just happened. Once each person had said hello to Opus, he relaxed further and let them pass. When one person tried to pass him without greeting, he stretched out his neck and blocked their way until they said hello. There was no doubt who was in charge in this moment, and the connection was felt deeply by everyone. People are often surprised by my relationship with the horses. They comment on how connected we are and how much respect I give each of them. The horses are allowed to have their opinion and I work with them without using force, which is rare in any walk of life. 
As soon as we revert to force, we've ceased to lead. I invite the horses to want to work with me and my clients. And as a result, their level of engagement is high. Connecting in different ways. Connection looks and feels different to everyone. Some people feel connected only when they're physically in the same location, while others feel connected at a distance and out of sight. Opus is formerly retired from working with clients as he found it too tiring. He typically spends the day out in the field when I work with clients. Despite that, he's always connected to me and always pays attention. If I mention his name, he'll lift his head and start to walk towards the gate. And this always surprises clients. They ask if he, if he can hear me mention his name when he's at least 50 metres away. And of course he can't, but he senses when he's being spoken about, just as you sense it in the office too. This is the power of connection. We're energetically connected far more than we realise. Each of the horses connects in very different ways. Callie often connects in a maternal and nurturing way when she senses someone needs to be supported. By contrast, she'll headbutt you into next week if she thinks you need to be put into your place. Both are forms of connection, providing feedback in different ways according to what she senses you need. There's no self-serving leadership here. She's leading in service of the whole. Opus connects by being around us, by missing nothing and coming when he's spoken about. He'll strut down the yard, ignoring everyone. Contrary to Callie's way of connecting, he shows no tenderness in these moments. Instead, he commands respect and reverence for his elder wisdom. The connection is no less deep, even if he's not gazing deeply into your eye in a loving way. Every leader has a different way of connecting. When you know what your default pattern is, you can see the impact you have on different people and flex your style according to what's required. Connection's a two-way process and not everyone wants to connect in the same way. If someone rejects your connection, it's not necessarily a personal affront, but rather a difference to be curious about, understood and embraced. How do your team members connect with you and each other? Opposites often attract, so everyone will find it easier or more difficult to connect with different people. The challenge as leaders is to foster an environment where everyone feels safe to connect in their own way, by bringing all of themselves. When clients experience the depth of connection they get with the horses, they feel the power and also the vulnerability of being in connection. Once they've experienced connection in this way, they're less afraid of it and return to the workplace knowing how to connect in a variety of ways according to different needs. Building rapport. The moment many clients feel connected to the horses is when they have their first interaction with them. Even observing the horses in the field at the beginning of the day, clients may feel disconnected and merely passive observers. The same is not true for the horses. The split second clients walk through the gate, the horses have a sense of who the clients are, their energy, intentions, emotions and sensitivity. The clients have entered the horse's territory. The safety and integrity of the herd are in question and the horses need to be aware of that and assess it. In these first few moments, before clients have even realised it, they've created an impact. The same, of course, is true with people. You may not be consciously a bit aware, but subconsciously you assess everyone you meet before you shake their hand. You already have a sense of whether you want to be connected or not. You feel drawn or repelled based on a person's energy. How do you show up in the first moment of connection? 
Most clients arrive feeling nervous, and this can vary from being mildly nervous at being out of their comfort zone, terrified at the prospect of doing something different, or slightly unsure how it's going to pan out. People handle their nerves differently. Some arrive posturing and pretending that everything's fine. There may be high levels of banter and humour that mask the discomfort and distract them from feeling what they really feel. Others are more open and transparent about their feelings, naming the anxiety or discomfort early on. As one person names it, the others relax and open up too. Being honest, transparent and vulnerable in this way is a huge strength as it opens the doorway for others to connect human to human without all the self-imposed expectations of how they think they should be. Respect, trust and connection can all be established in an instant. Of course, they deepen over time as well. But how you show up in that first moment of connection has an impact. How you feel influences that connection too. What impact do you create? And is it what you want? Our capacity to connect is amazing and heartwarming and is limited only by our our attention, belief and fear. Deepening connection. Moments of deep connection are fleeting. In that moment, there's a feeling of being seen, understood and known. It's vulnerable to be seen at that level, which is why we connect and disconnect on and off. When clients meet the horses, they often look them in the eye. The horses draw you in as far as you're willing to go. The connection can be really deep. Some horses draw you in further than others. It depends on how they feel towards you as well as how you feel about them. Once you've built a deep level of connection, however fleeting, it becomes easier to align through differences. When you truly see someone as a human being, there's an opportunity to meet them in that humanity. When we're in conflict, we're more likely to objectify people, which leads to disconnection. Clients regularly tell me that it takes months to build trust. When they hold this as a core belief, they prevent connection with others. They often explain that they drop their guard more with their team and connect with them more deeply than with other departments in the organisation. They allow people they know to see them. By contrast, other other departments are regarded as the competition or even the enemy, competing for resources, making unreasonable requests, creating more workload and generating conflict. Co-sensing and co-shaping are missing from these relationships. Continually, Continually building connection takes time and effort and may depend on how important the relationship is. Connection creates an intimacy and a vulnerability of being seen at a deep level, which people often shy away from. When clients work with me and the horses, they quickly establish trust and connection. While I'm more forgiving and able to stay connected when clients disconnect, the horses will refuse to engage unless trust and connection are established first. In this way, clients learn to connect and trust quickly and reframe their story around how long it takes to build. Many people are running at such high speed they've become disconnected from themselves. Your body is not just a carrier for the brain as well as your mind. Your body provides information about stresses and strains. It's your life force, your sense of being in the world. It's only when you can truly connect to yourself that you can create connection with others. The horses invite us to pay more attention to our physical bodies, to be aware of where we are in relationship to them and each other, and to pay attention to the gut instinct and emotions that are invoked in their presence. Alignment. 
it's important to stay connected through differences of opinion. There's a tendency to withdraw from people you disagree with as a form of self-protection. With increased pressure, the tension between individuals and departments grows. People focus on their own needs because they do not have the bandwidth to support others. The overall company strategy and vision can often seem far removed from the day-to-day -day actions and competing targets and objectives create further tension. How do you align with other departments to meet the needs of everyone? When we make work more meaningful, people stay engaged. It's easier to align around common goals and to iron out differences along the way when we're working towards a common vision or purpose. Where are you not aligned? And how can you create that alignment? People often think they're aligned, but use the same language to mean different things. Tension is created when people don't deliver as you expect them to, often based on misunderstandings over what appear to be obvious things. Be open and curious, take time to listen, and engage in dialogue to rebuild connection. Laurel Dines, the HR Director for Hudson Talent Solutions, was amazed by how quickly the horses responded to what people were thinking and feeling. She discovered key insights that she's been able to take back to the boardroom to improve the way the team connect. And this is a, a, an extract that is, was written by Laurel. There were four of us trying to lead a horse around an obstacle course, something you would think was really simple. However, although we knew what we wanted to do and had in part discussed tactics, it soon became very clear that we all had different ideas of how to do it. When the horse didn't respond, it was frustrating. We thought we were agreed and had a shared purpose, but we were disjointed in our approach and this confused the horse to the state of inaction. Once the horse stopped, getting back on track was really difficult. It brought home to me how often this lack of alignment happens in the workplace and why we're then surprised and frustrated that nothing changes. We look for excuses. It's them, not us. But direct feedback from a horse is unavoidable. It's not offensive, it's just fact. And you have to change your approach or nothing happens. I've been on umpteen team building events, but this was different. This beautiful horse is just standing, refusing to move until you get aligned as a team. That feeling when you ask the horse to come with you and they do is magical. It really brought home that this is how we need to work with people in the workplace as well. It's so powerful. When we go at 120 miles per hour, we don't spend enough time building the connection with people. We need to slow down, make time to connect and build the relationship. Otherwise, everything suffers. Remote connections. Leading virtual teams brings a greater challenge of connection. People often feel more comfortable looking someone in the eye. There's a sense of knowing. Without the visual cues, you need to rely on other senses. Leading virtual teams brings about the uncertainty of connection. It requires greater trust in others. When you speak to people on a conference call, you know who's switched off. You sense it energetically if everyone's disengaged. Connection is a felt sense and you don't need to physically see it. When you trust your instincts and intuition about who's not engaged, you can be curious and engage in dialogue around what's causing the disconnection. Many conference calls are an excuse to get everyone together to provide updates, but if people have timed out, there's no value. We can find new ways to build connection within a team without creating the disconnection of update calls where nobody listens and everyone disconnects. 
Technology can hinder or support you in this and how you use it is a leadership choice, moment by moment. What calls are you leading that have no value? How can you encourage remote team working that deepens the connection? Network and community. Our communities look very different today from how they did in the 20th century. Local communities have become global and we rely on technology to connect us, but human connection is what really creates community. Build your own communities of different people so that you're supported in times of uncertainty according to what you need in any given moment. These communities can be virtual or local. Find a combination that supports your need for support and connection. Most people have no idea that their colleagues support them. They rarely ask for help because they believe it will lead to them being disrespected. Instead, they struggle on, not knowing how to do something, feeling more and more under pressure to perform and to create results when nothing is certain. There's a need to move from blame, judgment and criticism to a culture of support. More collaborative ways of working can ensure everyone gets support from each other to navigate their challenges. Formal mentoring programmes can be enormously helpful and informal ones can be just as useful. I have numerous informal mentors who I talk to when I get stuck. I rarely need to push through on my own. Just being listened to and sharing your challenge is helpful because you gain clarity by giving voice to the issue. It moves from a jumble in your head to a clear problem that can be worked on with support from others who are less emotionally charged around the issue. Uncertainty is challenging and uncomfortable and there are no prizes for being a hero and going it alone. The most common thing I hear CEOs, MDs and executives say is how lonely they are at the top. They feel unsupported, yet they only need to ask for help or advice and look around and people there are supporting them. Giving voice to a problem can remove the emotional charge from it as long as it's done in a compassionate way. When you express righteous indignation, you release dopamine into your system, which gives you an initial good feeling. This is an addictive hormone, which means you're likely to repeat the same frustration over and over. Organisations can quickly build up a culture where people complain with no intention of taking responsibility for doing anything about it. This leads to constant negativity. Notice where you're expressing righteous indignation. You have a choice over how you want to respond. You can either ignore the situation, in which case drop the moaning, or decide what action you want to take and find support as you do so. Most people believe they're being criticised by others when in fact they're being supported. In believing they're being criticised, they create the energetic environment for criticism. When you reach out to others for support, they usually want to help. If people are stretched, they might not be able to help every time, but it doesn't mean they're not willing. Everyone's under pressure. Give people a chance to provide support and be mutually supported. Recognise also when they can't and don't take it personally. We need to shift from a culture of disconnection and discomfort to one of connection, relationship and community. And this requires a willingness to be truly seen and to trust that whatever happens in uncertainty, we can navigate it together. After all, our ability to come together when needed is the core of our humanity. If we can come together in moments of crisis, we can connect on an everyday basis too. Business will be all the better for it.
and so will the human race. And that concludes this chapter. And I, I just want to talk about how we connect in moments of, of crisis. You know, when there, when there are natural disasters, whether they're locally or globally, people rally round and, and naturally want to support. And I think the desire to support and, and help others is innate in, in most of us. And I think it's there on a day-to-day -day basis as well. It's just that often we don't know how, so we, so we don't. We withdraw the offer of support because we don't want that to be rejected. Because offering support is a vulnerable act as much as asking for it. So have a think about how do you, how do you stay connected? How do you really align around something that's very important? Because when there are natural disasters people do align yes there's also polarization but there's that sense of coming together that brings people alive and makes people motivated to want to connect and be in community with each other so i think that's at the heart of what it is to be human we just need to create it and look for it what's your experience of connection and support i'd love to know do get in touch and let me know your thoughts. That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judejennison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.